Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the Tuesday, June the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the final sessions of OTAs are underway as the Dolphins hit the practice field for the last time before coming back for training camp in August. We'll give you four things to watch for this week, plus the entire Locked On Dolphins staff's picks for breakout candidates on either side of the ball, Andy Cohen's excellent piece on Coach Flores, and the QB prospect that makes the most sense to me in 2020. All of that and more, but first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on the new Himalaya podcast app. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at NFL. the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, as voted by Dolphins Twitter, and you can find the show at LockedOnFins. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We have the breakout candidate pieces. We have the things to look for at minicamp this week up on LOD.com, as well as your daily content for everything Miami Dolphins. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And before we do jump into this episode, which is a little bit light today, probably going to be shorter than the usual 28 minutes we've been doing lately on the show, I want to talk about the show on HBO Chernobyl as it comes to a conclusion tonight on Monday as I record this podcast. If you guys haven't checked that out yet, It doesn't really matter what you're into, history or nuclear meltdowns, whatever it might be. The entire thing is so well done that I cannot recommend it enough for everybody to go out and check it out. It's on HBO, the entire miniseries. All five episodes are available now. So check out Chernobyl on HBO. That's my unpaid advertisement for this show, Chernobyl's HBO. But with that, let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins First down today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. And I want to talk about this upcoming minicamp session that we're embarking on right about now, depending on when you play this podcast. Practice either hasn't started yet, or it's currently going on, or it just finished. But the good news is we're going to have media availability at all three days of practice. So we're going to have press conferences and practice reports from the media themselves about what goes on on the field these next three days. And then after that, guys, it's a long, long break until late July when training camp kicks off. And the truth be told about this mini camp session and all the ones before this is that these practices are merely glorified passing camps with a heavy emphasis on technique, fundamentals, and discipline. And the fact of the matter is that without knowing what the program is asking for, what the coaches are asking these guys to do, we basically can't evaluate anybody that is required to hit on a down-in and down-out basis. And by that, I mean the lines, offense and defense, the linebackers, and the running backs 
pretty much can't be evaluated from a, pan, a fan's perspective, but of course they can be evaluated from the coach's perspective because they want to know that guys are learning their respective assignments, they're figuring out how to make the proper sight adjustments, and they're altering their techniques to fit what the coaching staff wants them to do in terms of their teaching. So the only real quantifiable metric from this week are the very aspects of the practice that make this basically an augmented seven-on-seven camp, quarterbacks, pass catchers, and defensive backs, and that's where our focus goes with these four points, the four things to watch for up on LockedOnDolphins.com this week at mandatory OTAs. Number one is the growth from the quarterbacks, and we've heard now that Ryan Fitzpatrick is more adept than Josh Rosen at absorbing and communicating this new offensive scheme, and that's to be expected when you think about Fitzpatrick's experience in the league, but also the fact that he was here six weeks ahead of Josh Rosen, acquired back in mid-March, where Rosen was acquired on the final day of April, or the final weekend of April, rather. The staff is going to want to see both these players advance day in and day out, and week in and week out, the aim will be to eliminate previous mistakes from last week and to perfect this week's lesson and embrace the new challenges ahead as they add new things to the offense, new install, the pace of these practices, and really the pace of this program in general hinges on the quarterback's abilities to process and rise to each of those obstacles and to get everybody else going in the right direction. We've heard them talk about leadership and communication. That all starts with the quarterbacks. And to go off of my recent guilty pleasure or full-blown obsession at this point, Bar Rescue, he puts everything on the owners of the bar or the manager, whoever the highest ranking official of the bar is, he's the one that he puts all the blame on, and that's what coaches will do with the quarterbacks, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick in year number 14 in the NFL or whatever it is at this point, or Josh Rosen, year number two in the NFL. Those guys are the most important. We need to see progress out of them every single week because if you don't, the rest of the team probably not going to give you much progress either. Number two, the defensive back deployment, and this has been a theme of the offseason here on the podcast and the website about the importance of the secondary in this particular scheme and also the requirement for each member of the secondary to be able to match up in man coverage and last week's reports told us that longtime slot corner and 2018 tryout perimeter corner and don't call them boundary corners by the way because the boundary side of the formation is the short side the nearest side to the hash mark where the football is And then the field side of the formation is the open side of the field, the much larger portion of the field. When the ball's marked on the left hash mark, the field side is the right side of the formation. So when you see somebody say they tried him at boundary corner, that's an incorrect term. That's a lack of knowledge. That's ignorant. Bobby McCain was a perimeter corner at times in 2018, and he flirts with safety now this year in 2019. Sorry to go on that tangent. It just really sticks in my craw when I see certain beat reporters with big followings spreading this information that really is just based in ignorance. So the boundary is not what every single outside corner is called. That's a confusing term if you're talking about football terms. But McCain, slot, perimeter tryout, and now getting some work at safety where I think that he has the instincts and change of direction skills to handle those duties. But as Chris Kaufman mentioned on Twitter, CK Parrot, he might have some issues being that last man of defense because he's a little bit undersized and taking on a breakaway running back might not be the most suitable thing for Bobby McCain. Plus he does lack that long speed as some safeties tend to do as well, especially free safeties, I should say, in any defensive scheme. But he's not the only one capable of that double duty 
We know Minka Fitzpatrick is definitely that guy, but Eric Rowe has played some safety and some slot corner in his career as well. I think the defensive backfield could shake out much like the offensive line where they want to play the five best players available at the five starting positions. And of course, one of those five players might be on the roster right now and not in the future as point number three is Rashad Jones. Will he or won't he? Basically, that's the question. Is he going to show up? If he does, he might be here this year and play this season. If not, he goes from long-term status in doubt to short-term status in doubt, and I can see the Dolphins moving on from him for basically scrap heaps in a trade if they so choose to go in that direction. And the last note here is continued progress from Preston Williams because for undrafted rookies to make the 53-man roster, they've got to check boxes all along the offseason, and that starts at rookie minicamp, and it goes through the men mini camps and it goes into training camp and then in preseason when you start with the fours and the fives you got to check that box you got to advance to the second and third string you got to check those boxes and then you have to impress once you ascend to the top of the depth chart and that's going to be Preston Williams challenge to continue that positive progress he's made so far into this week go out and continue to make the highlight plays because that kind of stuff is going to put a focus on him for better or worse for the rest of the coaching staff to watch the way he works, to watch the way he lifts weights, and to watch the way he prepares himself to get ready for practice. So Preston Williams has a big opportunity now on mandatory minicamps to make a big statement and check the last box of the offseason and head into training camp with a very bright future in terms of trying to make this 53-man roster. And I don't know about you guys, but having three practices that have reports the next coming week is really going to get me excited because football is going to go away here pretty soon. But what you don't want to go away is your manhood. And that's where Blue Chew can help out. Listen up, guys. Remember those days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code MLB, as in Major League Baseball. Again, just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it for free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. got the Albert Wilson piece up on LockedOnDolphins.com, taking a look at every single snap the Dolphins receiver played in 2018 and charting his progress across all metrics. And I thought that was going to be my most engaging tweet of Monday afternoon, but it was not. It was actually a debate over rap music and Bone Thugs and Harmony. And I guess that Bone Thugs isn't as high on the rap pantheon as I thought they were. Now, again, 
forgive me for this because I am very undereducated when it comes to hip-hop music. I'm more of a rock type of guy, but I do dabble in some hip-hop here and there. I'm pretty much open to all genres of music except for country. Cannot do it, but I guess Bone Thugs is not as highly thought of as I thought they were, but I'll tell you what, I grew up listening to their album, I think it was East 99, back when I was like 10 years old, maybe some questionable parenting there to allow me to do that, but I was all about it. So maybe the nostalgia factor really kicks in for me. Let's go ahead and get in some football talk here though. I put a poll up on Twitter, also getting a lot of engagements, asking if Rashad Jones' absence at mandatory minicamp would be a big deal. After last week, I asked you guys if him skipping these voluntary OTAs was a big deal. And that came back with a 65% no majority saying, no, it's not a big deal. But now for this week, the mandatory minicamps, 81% on about a thousand votes said it is a big deal if he misses camp this week. So I agree with that. I think him not being there signals the end. As I talked about in the previous segment, if he's not there, he's probably not on the roster come opening day. I think they'll find a way to trade him if they can get just anything for him and try to deal off some of that salary, maybe eat some of that salary as well, because I think that Jones's talent doesn't do enough to basically supplant the harm that he would do by being a guy that's kind of a malcontent on the roster as they try to establish this new culture going forward and remake this football team from the top down to the bottom. So that's the news on Rashad Jones. That's the debate on Bone Thugs and Harmony. The players had media day on Monday as they all got in their uniforms and took some pictures and provided some of those videos you're going to see on the Jumbotron this year at Hard Rock Stadium. Some pretty fun stuff to see Josh Rosen in full Dolphins uniform for the first time ever. So that was cool to see. But I wonder, why do they have these guys wearing their tennis shoes in those shots? Because Rosen was wearing some some gray tennis shoes that looked like they were his lawn mowing shoes, basically all banged up and dirty. And I'm asking, why can't they get my man some team issued turfs, some turf shoes that have the aqua on them. It just would look a lot better to me, but that's where we are on the podcast. That's where we are this time of year talking about shoes on our quarterback on a media day photo shoot, but go check out the Dolphins social media account. Lots of fun stuff there. Taking a look at the players, Kenyon Drake doing the, What is that? Flossing, that dance. You can tell how detached I am from today's society with my takes on rap music and flossing and dancing. But there's Kenyon Drake doing some of that. There's a pretty funny interview with Jakeem Grant and Devon Gacha. Head over to the Miami Dolphins Twitter handle to check out all of those videos. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about some breakout candidates on this football team. We have a pair of pieces up on the website on LockedOnDolphins.com authored by our staff writer, Gabe Hari. And he gathered all of our picks for these breakout candidates. And I want to go through some of them for you here real quick. We had two votes for three guys on defense, two for Minka Fitzpatrick, two for Raekwon McMillan, and two for Jerome Baker. And I want to read Kevin Dern's take on Raekwon McMillan right here because you guys know how much I value his opinion and how highly he thinks about the Dolphins linebacker. And I also share the belief that Raekwon McMillan takes a huge step forward in year number three, his second year of actually being on the field. And Kevin says that Minka is the obvious choice here. So I'm going to go with Raekwon McMillan as my pick for breakout player. The last month of 2018 was McMillan as the best linebacker on the Dolphins roster, not 
not Jerome Baker. Although Baker made the flash plays, McMillan was more consistent. He's going to have more opportunities to be successful in this defense. And while I don't think he'll replicate 100% of the things that Dante Hightower does, example, he doesn't think he's going to line up outside as a defensive end or edge linebacker, but I think he can handle the bulk of responsibilities that Hightower oversees between the offensive tackles. We'll see Raekwon stop the run, and I expect we'll see him be a cog in some of Miami's blitz and pass rush games. He's an ascending player, and this defense may put him on the fast track to becoming a household name player more so than it will Jerome Baker. So that's Kev's take on Raekwon McMillan. I picked Mika Fitzpatrick because, like Kevin mentioned, it's the obvious one. And the reason for that is because Dolphins fans might be well-versed on just the mastery of Mika Fitzpatrick with the versatility and the nuance to his game. But he's really not that well-known on a national stage. And I think that changes this year because of the scheme, because he's an elite cover corner working inside the slot and hardly a slouch when he bounces outside or deep into safety as well. In a defense that emphasizes man coverage, Minka Fitzpatrick's star is going to blossom this year in year number two. Like I said, we had two votes for Jerome Baker as well. One of those comes from Andrew Mitchell, and he talks about the talent, the athleticism, the speed, the cover skills. It's going to have him on the field a whole lot. The snap counts are likely to increase from last year, and this scheme will be diverse and give him situations to perform at the level we all know that he can. And I really like that pick as well because Jerome Baker, I think, is going to have a big role on this defense as well. And I talked about it on the podcast multiple times. I just think this linebacker group might be the best we've had basically since Zach Thomas left. And I think it's spearheaded by Raekwon McMillan and Jerome Baker. And the last off-the-wall pick, we had two for Minka, two for McMillan, two for Jerome Baker. We had one for Vincent Taylor and one for Cordray at Tankersley. Gabe made that pick. You guys are going to think he's crazy, but I think he talks about the prototype for Brian Flores, Patrick Graham, and Josh Boyer looking at long athletic cornerbacks with good ball skills, not to mention Eric Rowe's injury history that Tankersley could see a fair amount of snaps this season, and if he plays as well as he did in his rookie year, then we can have something on our hands here opposite Xavier Howard as the other perimeter corner with Cordrea Tankersley. So that would be a huge boon for this Dolphins team. On the offensive side of things, again, up on LockedOnDolphins.com here, on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, which is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, we have two votes for Kenyon Drake, one vote for Kalen Balaj, Jakeem Grant, Albert Wilson, Mike Gesicki, and one for Michael Dieter, the rookie left guard from Wisconsin. Kevin Dern has Kalen Balaj on his list, and he talks about the opportunity that Balaj has to run behind a fullback, much in the way the Patriots did with LeGarrette Blunt, or even with Marion Barber back when he was the closer for the Dallas Cowboys, that fourth quarter running back. He thinks an uptick in carries will provide Balaj the opportunity to notch more than the 45 touches he had in 2018 and provide that breakout platform that he's looking for. Now, I go on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of the position and going with another player. I've talked about it on the podcast before, Kenyon Drake. This offense has just has been so devoid of any quality top-level producing talent on the offense for so long now, going back basically to Ricky Williams or Chris Chambers in the early 2000s. You had Ronnie Brown with, a, I guess, a sort of breakout year in 2008, but even then, that wasn't much statistically. I think Kenyon Drake has the best opportunity to be one of those top-level guys because we saw him do it to close out 2017. He kind of takes a backseat to Frank Gore last year. I think it's time with his big playability, both in the pass and ground game, for Drake to pick up 1,500 scrimmage yards and double-digit touchdowns this season en route to 
to a breakout year for the Dolphins in year number four for Kenyon Drake. And then we'll see what happens with his contract extension, whether or not he gets that or he goes out on the open market next March. Okay, we're going to spin things forward here to the third segment of the podcast. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Untuck It. Thanks to Untuck It for sponsoring Locked On Dolphins podcast. If you're looking for a great Father's Day gift idea, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend, whether it's in the cubicle or at happy hour. No tucking or tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, type in promo code MBA, as in National Basketball Association, untuckit.com, promo code MBA to get 20% off your order. The Dolphins doubled the next closest team in terms of community service hours over the NFL's challenge last week. 1,200 minutes over one week as part of the NFL's Huddle for 100 team challenge as Jason Jenkins and the entire staff down there in Miami does a terrific job with community outreach. And Andy Cohen, the longtime columnist for MiamiDolphins.com, detailed some of that in his piece on Brian Flores. It's up on MiamiDolphins.com titled Brian Flores Embracing South Florida Community. And you guys know Andy's a terrific writer if you know this Dolphins team or have been a fan of this Dolphins team for a long time. But you also know if you've been paying attention the last few months just how special of a human being Brian Flores is. And I want to read some of this column and a couple of quotes, but then I'll go ahead and encourage you to check it out yourself. It starts off that in the four months since Brian Flores was named head coach of the Miami Dolphins, he has set a solid solid groundwork for success on the football field. He's also made quite an impact off the field, giving back to the South Florida community in a variety of important ways with his inspiring words at the Dolphins Cancer Challenge, with his commitment to local high school football teams, and most recently with his involvement in Finn's Weekend. Flores had done it all with the passion and conviction of a man who genuinely cares about setting the right example. He's changing the culture of this football team and trying to help improve the culture of an entire community. How can you not be impressed? And I agree with that, Andy. How can you not be impressed with the man that he is? He is living up to all of the expectations we had for him in that regard coming into this hire and this new regime change and this rebuild. Flores says, quote, I'm so fortunate. I'm so blessed. I'm so humbled to be part of this organization. We're all in leadership positions. We're here to serve. That's what leadership is all about. It's about service. And there's a great photo on there of him talking to a pair of high school football players with a big smile on his face. You can just tell. They talk about how it's not about your accomplishments that I can tell how good of a person you are or what your bank account says. It's how you treat the little people. And you can just tell that Brian Flores is the kind of guy that gives everybody, regardless of rank, position, economic status, he gives every person the exact same amount of respect that they deserve. And it's a guy that's special like that, that I think can lead this football team. And I'm excited to see where it goes from here. But Brian Flores doing all the right things right now. It's going to be up to him on the football field to get things done the right way. And that includes next year's quarterback class and trying to figure out whether or not Josh Rosen's the man, or it's going to be someone from the 2020 draft class. As we have a detailed piece up on the draftnetwork.com written by Joe Marino, highlighting some of the key traits from Jake Fromm, the Georgia quarterback and the guy that I've kind of been 
been championing on the podcast here, going back to the draft months and the and the combine and and those months leading up to the 2019 draft, and talking about the Dolphins' need at the position. And Joe kind of reiterated some points that I had made back in the past. He says that where Fromm wins, the most notable strength of his game is in his football intelligence. He illustrates an obvious feel for working through his progressions, hitting throws with anticipation, processing coverage, and understanding where space and leverage will be, playing against elite competition in the SEC. He's been tested against the best defensive talent and coaching in football. He knows where his matchups are most favorable and is a confident quarterback. There's a lot to like about his approach and decision-making and execution of the Georgia offense. And there's a great line in there that I actually tweeted out on Monday morning from Joe Marino's piece on thedraftnetwork.com where he says the reason that Jake Fromm has become a Kirby smart guy is because of the things he does intangibly opposed to what Jacob Eason and Justin Fields did. There's no arguing who is the more gifted passer in terms of Fromm compared to Justin Fields, but Fromm's preparation, work ethic, leadership, and mastery of the offense meant that he was going to be the starter in Athens this fall. And that, to me, is exactly what the Dolphins coaching staff and general manager and entire scouting department has said. They want in a quarterback the ability to communicate the offense, to lead the offense, and to be a likable guy in the locker room. Now, Jake Fromm does come up short in the the arm talent and the ability to go off script departments that they did mention in terms of going with mobility at the position, but he understands those shortcomings in the way he prepares for the game. And it's going to be a very interesting debate when it comes to Jake Fromm and the style of offense that he leads or a guy like Jordan Love from Utah State with the big arm and the great athletic ability as this Dolphin scouting staff is likely going to have to make that decision at some point next year. Thankfully, it's a ways off. We have some time to evaluate Josh Rosen this year and see what our position is going into the draft next season. As for today's podcast, that's going to wrap things up. We're going to have camp updates for you guys on tomorrow's show and throughout the week. We're going to have Joe Shad from the Palm Beach Post on the podcast maybe Friday, but probably more likely next week to give his entire off-season workout scope about changes from a year ago, the regime change, the most impressive players, all the notes we can get from Joe that we didn't see at home. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I want to remind you guys to download the Himalaya podcast app. It's free, super easy to use, has every single podcast that you love or you're searching for. They have personally curated playlists made just for you by our expert podcast tastemakers, themed collections of shows to help with podcast discovery. You can follow podcasts, you can like and leave comments on those podcasts and give your feedback on all things podcast with the new Himalaya podcast app. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Himalaya, Google Play, Apple, Stitcher, tuned in, wherever you get your podcasts. Go ahead and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Also, check out the other Lockdown Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Linkful NFL. Follow the show at Lockdown Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockdownDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again for a mini camp edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Who really is what you these niggas? It's like they're trying to eat out of your plate and you can't get it right now.